one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Today we got a crazy story of getting a childhood bully arrested, but first, If you think I need a mother, you're on stuff and I'll prove it to everyone. When I, 25-year-old female, was 15, my dad started dating a woman named Crystal, using her real name because I really don't care. Crystal had always wanted a big family, but had medical issues, so she was unable to have more children, and tried to fill the void by mothering my siblings and I. The problem is we already had a mother, we're older teenagers at the time, and she was clearly on stuff. Her substance problem was so obvious that we used to call her crystal meth behind her back. She ended up moving in almost immediately after they started dating, but would move out pretty frequently and claim that she was a stay-at-home mom. She would deep clean small areas of the house, for example, shampoo only a 2 by 2 foot square of a carpet, all day and display other tweaker behavior, but we couldn't prove she was on substances, so we let it go. Soon after she came around, my brother, then 18, moved in with my mom so it was just my sister, then 16, and me dealing with her. At first, I went along with her new rules, curfew, new chores, etc., but then she started to cross the line. I caught her going through my phone, going through my room, and she would tell my dad what she found in there, or make things up if she didn't find anything, to get me in trouble. On top of that, she would lie to my dad and try to tell him that my sister and I told her about his cheating, which he wasn't doing, but that's typical drug-induced paranoia. We tried to reason with him, but classic father of the year move, he never believed us. She would have emotional outbursts, claiming my sister and I were evil and trying to break them up or not respecting her as our mother. She wasn't our mother, to cause fights between us and our dad. However, I think the craziest thing that came of her wrath was my dad accusing my siblings and me of stealing his spoons and throwing them away. I don't know if my dad lost them when we moved, but none of us ever threw away his spoons. I literally got grounded over spoons for a week because we only had five left, which was the same number of spoons we had the prior week. One day after school, I came home and she was waiting for me on the couch, sobbing. My dad came in the room and immediately started screaming at me for disrespecting my mother. As punishment, I was to clean their bathroom, but as I was heading over to do so, I heard Crystal say, I'm the mom of this house, you treat me like a slave, you need to learn your place. And something in me snapped. I put my stuff down in my room and headed to the kitchen. I grabbed two spoons without my dad noticing. They were watching a movie on the couch peacefully. Went to his bathroom where I waited for my sister to come home. I knew he had a lighter in his bathroom because he would light candles in there to cover up his bowel movement smell. When my sister got home, I burned the bottom of the spoons and grabbed the candle that dad kept under his sink. It was showtime. I grabbed my evidence and went to the living room where the whole family was. I asked my dad why I found all of these under his sink and then demanded to know why he kept accusing us of stealing his spoons when he had these ones hidden in his bathroom next to Crystal's hair dye. She used tinfoil for her highlights that she did herself. 
My sister looked disgusted and point blank asked if she was doing stuff. He looked at Crystal with shock and disgust before telling my sister no and asking Crystal for a private moment in his bedroom. There was lots of yelling, but she left that day. Eventually my dad took her back, but for those few days, I was at peace. And for the rest of her time with my dad, she'd been known to our entire family as a druggie. To this day, we still bring the spoons up to my dad as a way to shame him for freaking out over spoons and dating a tweaker. He's ashamed and always apologizes. No one knows I framed her. All I'm gonna say is, considering you framed her and the fallout still happened, and considering there was a whole spoon debacle, I think it's pretty safe to say that OP actually revealed some truths in trying to frame them. Also, hi, I'm Steven, and if you enjoy awesome stories of revenge, why not hit that subscribe button down below? That said, our next story is Parking Lot Revenge. Just happened 20 minutes ago, got my Thanksgiving stuff and went to my car. Someone in a small pickup was parked at an angle from almost my left rear bumper. His back right tire was in my spot and the front was on the line. Just a crappy parking job. Left me about 6 inches at the corner to squeeze by. I could open my driver's door and get in, but had to squeeze. No reason for it except an inconsiderate act. Just as I'm adjusting his fold-in mirror, he walks up. I tell him thanks for leaving me so much space. He ignores me and unloads his groceries, then walks his cart back. So, I wait until he's away, then park my cart against his bumper. Not much, but between that and him having to adjust his mirror, I was happier. Sometimes just to make it through a long, crappy day, you just gotta have these little moments of revenge like this. Sometimes some jerk strolls by and you decide, maybe today isn't the day that that jerk just gets to have a drama-free day. Our next story is, driving your car through my pile of leaves the first few times might be funny, but not after the second time. When my father moved from Ohio to Sacramento in the 1950s, he initially had six roommates, two per room, so they could keep things as affordable as possible. In the fall, the residents would break their leaves into large piles in the gutter or the side of the street. The city would send out vacuum trucks and collect the leaves on specific prearranged days. Well, some kids thought it was great fun to drive their car through the big piles of leaves and scatter them everywhere. My father and his roommates would then have to scramble to rake everything back into a pile, or the city wouldn't vacuum up the unorganized leaves. After about three weeks of this, one of his roommates who worked graveyard shift as a mechanic at the municipal bus yard was tired of screwing around with the leaves after a long night of work. Without telling the other roommates, when he left for work, he dropped an engine block off his truck and covered it in a big pile of leaves. At around 2am, there was a horrific crash that woke up all the neighbors. Fortunately, the kids in the car weren't beat up too badly since the car was only going about 15 miles per hour upon impact. It turns out the kid who was driving was the son of a police officer. When the cops contacted his father, he asked if his son was injured. When he was told he was fine, his father told the cops to let him walk home and not under any circumstance were they to give any of the kids a ride home. That must have been a long, cold walk. In the morning, when the roommates returned from his shift, he came in the house and said something like, You never know what you're going to catch when you go fishing. I interpreted this story as a warning that screwing with people might be funny the first few times. More than two times, the same joke is no longer funny. It's funny to mess with people when it doesn't just outright inconvenience them, sure. 
But when your form of playing pranks on people or messing with somebody is almost vandalism, I mean, it's just a bunch of leaves, but it's an incredibly annoying amount of work, you shouldn't be surprised when people look for any way to retaliate. This is kind of similar to those mailbox stories where people keep knocking over mailboxes or running them over, and so they go and cement it with a deep pole in the ground. This next story is, I'm holding up your free deli meal? My bad. I was at the Walmart deli counter ordering General Tso's chicken. A woman and her teenage daughter approached from my left side and acted like they were going to nudge in front of me, which I thought was rude, since there was already one person in line behind me. The mom asked the employee preparing my food, where's the popcorn chicken? I said, oh, it's in the hot bar up front, it's front of self-checkout. She gave me an exasperated look before replying, I don't want to buy it, I want to munch on it while I shop. Seemed like a bold thing to announce, but you do you, honey. I then asked the employee to bag up four chicken tenders, at which point the mom made a snotty comment about, Can you believe it? Ordering four chicken tenders? So rude, taking up so much time. That made me feel really spiteful. Oh gee, Mr. Deli guy, you have macaroni available? I would love a big container of that. And you know how important it is to carefully scoop the macaroni so the sauce doesn't dribble everywhere. The teenage daughter piped up. We should have brought your water, mom. Her mom said, I know, I'm so thirsty. And I just want my popcorn chicken. How long is this gonna take? Sheesh. A second deli employee ambled over with a full pan of potato wedges. I said, golly, I think I would like some of those too. The mom exclaimed, oh, for Pete's sake, this is ridiculous. Let's just go and they stomped off. I guess I suddenly have enough food in my cart now. Let's be real, the real play here is for OP to just jump to the finish line and order all of the popcorn chicken they have available. Although I would be legitimately afraid that this Karen would try to break the claws out and attack. Our next story is crappy parking job, crappy time getting out. I was out running errands and came across a double parked Porsche. On his driver's side, there was just barely enough room that I could still park inside the lines on that side, while making his driver's side door completely inaccessible. The only way he could possibly get into his car would be to climb awkwardly through the passenger side. So I did exactly that, when I got myself a coffee, and I got back at exactly the right time. Almost. Sadly, I missed the climb. He was just getting settled in when I got back. I stood right in front of him when I unlocked my car. He stared daggers at me. I hopped in my car, gave him a nod, and maintained eye contact while I sipped my coffee. And he very slowly and carefully backed out. Most satisfying cup of coffee I've ever drank. It's really hard to describe that frustration you feel deep inside your stomach. Whenever you pull into a parking lot or you're walking to the entrance of a store and you see some jerk that is not even just like double parked but fully horizontal over two parking spaces, extra points if they're doing so in two of the handicapped spots right by the front doors. Our next story is, my neighbors wouldn't stop smoking on the balcony, I bought a super soaker. It swept into my apartment at all hours of the night. There was a designated smoking area but that was inconvenient for them. I bought a massive water gun and waited one night until it was good and dark outside. When the smoke began, I stepped silently out into the night and sprayed all of the ice-cold water as hard as I could into their direction. I heard them yelp in shock as I quickly retreated back into my apartment. My heart was racing and I had a huge thrill. I felt scared, 
but satisfied. They had no way of knowing it was me, but they did know I often complained about them. The next day, I acted like nothing had happened and said hi to them cheerfully. They began to accuse me. I acted shocked and appalled until they admitted they didn't know for sure what had happened. I said things like, are you sure it wasn't raining? Maybe another neighbor smelled smoke and thought there was a fire. Then, I went back home and laughed my butt off in glee. I know you can't avoid it in some places because it's just the most affordable option or the population density requires it, but man this is just another knock on apartment living. I can't tell you how many stories I read of people with paper thin walls always having to one up each other with speakers, people partying all night, smoke coming up from bottom floors. Makes me consider just moving to Wyoming, living on a farm and using Starlink or something. The next story is, pass the buck, then say I have to prove myself to you? Enjoy the fines. Bit of backstory. A few months ago, my manager gave me a list of jobs to do, and specifically told me not to do a certain part of the jobs because she would do it. A month or so after she asked me why I hadn't done it, I explained that she told me not to, but I would do it that day if she's too busy to do it. About a week later, I get pulled into an emergency meeting with the board of directors. I was questioned on why I hadn't been doing work that my manager had been asking me to do. Manager had told the directors that she had asked me to do the work. Apparently the jobs were real high paying clients, and they lost the clients due to being unreliable. I explained the manager had told me not to do it, and pulled up the emails showing exactly what she had said. Now this didn't go as I expected. I was given a warning. I was told to delete these emails immediately as it makes the company look bad. My emails are now monitored and I have to have a weekly meeting with the board of directors to discuss my ongoing suitability for the role. I'm still on probation. They said I'll have to work really hard to show them I'm worth taking off probation. They had nearly 20 of their 45 staff leave in the past 6 months and I can see why. The revenge? Due to being so incompetent, I've been doing a freak ton of my manager's jobs, as well as my own, over the past 8 weeks, so I've been working really hard. Completing as many jobs as I can each week up to manager review stage, around 50 in total. Due to my manager being so incompetent, the turnaround time for her reviews are about 8 weeks. I've completed so many jobs, it's going to take her weeks to review them all. The thing is, these jobs have a deadline for her to file them. This is a legal requirement and the company will be heavily fined for missing these deadlines. Well, I'm leaving a week before the deadline. I only have to give one week's notice because I'm on probation. That week, I'm doing the bare minimum. The manager won't have reviewed any of the files. I'm just gonna sit back and watch the chaos unfold. Screw them. I think OP was too good for that company anyway, clearly OP is a hard worker, and clearly they had some kind of agenda against OP or for workers on that level. It sounds like the- Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. 
Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Storytime is sponsored by BetterHelp. Nearly everyone at some point in their life will struggle with their mental health, whether that's something stressful at work, in a personal relationship, or something else. I know that I really struggled with anxiety in my early 20s, and therapy was a massive help for me. That's why I'm a massive fan of therapy, and today's sponsor, BetterHelp. If there is anything in your life, big or small, that is negatively affecting you, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. It's an online therapy service that, after finishing a small questionnaire, will match you with a licensed therapist, where you can book appointments that match up with your schedule at any place or any time. And if you feel like you're not bonding with your therapist, you can switch at any point for free. Also, therapy isn't just if you're struggling with mental health. If you're looking for guidance or ways to improve your social skills, life, or relationships, it's a great judgment-free way of doing that. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com StorytimePod today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash StorytimePod. Kind of place that can become a sinking ship real quick. Probably for the best to leave when OP did. Our next story is stealing beer for a party I'm not invited to? I don't think so. I worked at a really crappy locally owned grocery store in high school with some high school friends after school. It was super easy to steal from, and everyone mostly just kept it to food items for breaks, i.e. damages. My buddy and best friend we'll call Z got me the job, and also his other buddy we'll call D. D and I never really got along for some reason. He just didn't like me and did his best to drive a wedge between Z and I. It was Friday night and there was a party, and D made it clear he was excluding me from all party conversation, plans, hype. I wasn't formally not invited, but formally not included in our usual Friday shenanigans. Anyway, I noticed that he was carting beer out with the trash and hiding it outside so they could pick it up later. So when I caught Z alone in the break room, I asked about the party and whatnot, and he basically said D didn't want me around. So I told Z that I saw the beer stash and that I was going to tell the manager. I'm no snitch, but I'll let D think I am. I went to the manager and just had a friendly chat with her. She was cool, so I just hung out with her and made it appear like I was spilling the beans. I should mention this was about five minutes before we all clocked out. D and Z were freaking out and clocked out ASAP and didn't attempt to retrieve the beer. D had apparently hyped up to the party that he was bringing beer and everyone was upset. I had a laugh and enjoyed having them both afraid they were going to lose their jobs or face more severe consequences over the weekend. I just feel bad for OP because it kind of sucks. Back in high school, there's times where people are like, "Uh, I don't want them around. And they don't even have like a real legitimate reason for not wanting them around. They just feel like they don't vibe for literally no reason at all. Our next story is, he slash she stopped drinking in my water jug after what I did. When I was in high school, I always brought a water jug because I get thirsty easily. But when I was in my third year, the school management told us not to bring a drink inside our classroom, even water, so I have no choice but to leave it on the food racks in the canteen, together with lunches from different students. 
Everything was well until I noticed that when I first drank in my jug, the water was already half or less. I always put ice in it and filled it with water before leaving the house, so I was sure it should be full, but for the past week, that wasn't the case. Since I know I would never catch who drinks my jug because of my classes, I thought of something. When I poured water in the jug, I added drops of vinegar. Then I melted a packed grape juice on a mug to lessen the smell of the vinegar. Once done, I mixed the juice and when I wasn't satisfied, I added drops of soy sauce and lots, I mean lots, of pepper. The appearance looks good because the juice was dark. Then I didn't put ice to maintain the mixture. When lunchtime came, I went to the food racks and saw the small lid of my jug left open. There were droplets of the juice around it, so I was certain it was what he or she used to drink. I never brought the water jug home again and told my parents about the incident. I'm now 24, but I still don't know who drank in my water jug. Let's be real, it was probably some faculty or lunch lady, something just even more disgusting than some other student. I mean, I guess I don't know why it makes that any worse or better, but there's just something extra awful about imagining some lunch lady wandering over and opening and slurping from your water jug. All I know is, if I was in OP's position, I would be pissed. I would hate people touching my stuff or taking advantage of my stuff like that. This next story is... Oops... When I was in grade 2, I had a bully and he was the worst. He would steal other people's money and lunch, so one day I had enough. The bully had a low spice tolerance. How did I know? He tried to steal my friend's lunch, but my friend's lunch had pepper in it, so he was blowing his mouth and crying, so I decided to do the same this time with wasabi and pepper. I placed my egg sandwich in my lunchbox and pretended to walk to the bathroom and just waited until I heard it was break time. And there he was, opening my lunchbox. He just looked at me and laughed, then called me stupid for leaving my lunch unattended. And I just stood there and said, okay, with a slight smile. And as he ate the sandwich, his face changed from smug to horror. His eyes turned red, his nose running like a hose and blowing his mouth like a fan. He stayed in the bathroom, and from that day on, he never stole my lunch. See, I feel like if these bullies were smart at all, I feel like they would keep trying even after the fact. It's like at that point, do you think OP really enjoys a wasabi egg sandwich? Like what are the chances that OP's going to sabotage their lunch every single day? But I'm sure that fellow wasn't too bright. Our next story is steal $500, I steal it back and get you kicked out of college. My Gmail account got hacked way back in the day, 2008, before two-factor authentication. I never found out how, but I'm guessing it was a dictionary attack. I had a short and weak password. I stupidly had my PayPal account under the same email address and had the same crappy password. And of course, I had PayPal linked to my old checking account, though online banking had different credentials. And after I realized I was hacked and went to see how bad the damage was, Of course, there was a new transfer of $500 from my PayPal via the checking account to a different PayPal account. I hadn't used that checking account for a few years, and its balance was basically zero. I called the bank, told them what was going on, closed the account, and they confirmed that any pending withdrawals would simply fail when they got them. I was clear on their side. I checked the still pending PayPal transfer and found that there was an email address associated with the destination account. 
I looked around, nothing fancy, mostly Google searches, and found that the email address belonged to a college kid in California. I found his Facebook account, a bunch of other social media accounts, and the college that he went to. I messaged him on one of his social media accounts and told him that if he doesn't send the $500 back, that I would file a police report, tell his parents who I'd found on Facebook about his deeds, and report it to his college to get him kicked out, and he needed to do it now, before the $500 he took went through. He didn't know that it would fail or that my bank account was closed. He sent $500 back right away. The $500 in his direction failed, and then the $500 in my direction went through. I didn't file a police report, but I sent the whole thing to his parents and his college. Of course, I left out the details about me blackmailing him for $500. There was nothing he could do to get it back without incriminating himself, so I had $500 free and clear that I moved to a different bank account later. I think he learned his lesson, or maybe he learned to change his passwords after taking an account and did not use a personal email address, and I learned to have better passwords and two-factor authentication, and I had an adventure and scored $500. Successkid.jpg Absolutely zero remorse to have for the person who hacked into an email address and tried to steal $500 from you. If anything, I would say that's the tax of trying to do that kind of underhanded shady stealing. Our next story is Stiff Me on Overtime? Cue the long, expensive revenge. This happened in the early 2000s when I joined a startup. We agreed on a salary and no paid overtime and an evaluation in three months and then annually. Standard stuff mostly. It was a very mediocre salary for the work, but I really liked the work itself, which was extremely interesting and challenging. For me, even if the finances were so-so, I felt like I'd learned a lot of skills which would be useful in the future. After three years and having 10 decent clients and a bunch of clients trialing and money rolling in, the talk turned to back pay and paid overtime plus compensating for past overtime. At that point, around $50,000 in overtime had been accrued, which is a lot. Legally, it couldn't be back pay, so the talk was always of a discretionary bonus. Now at this point, everyone's okay with this, myself included, and this was discussed in writing via company emails too so I felt secure that no bad will was in play. I felt the company should be able to afford the payment. Equally, I'd happily settle for equity at a discount, which is legally possible there, if cash flow was an issue. The discussions about back pay and possible equity now started to drag on, and I was getting irked by this. In the end, I was made an offer of equity, which meant the company valuation was far beyond anything reasonable in the hundreds of millions and I'd get a minuscule stake, less than 0.1% of a company with 9 employees and a projected annual turnover of around 2 million, it was an FU of sorts to stiff me out of money, and I didn't want to take that lying down. To say I was furious was an understatement. Anyway, the day he made that offer, I handed in my resignation. This sent the CTO into panic mode because the CEO had refused an updated contract, and I was still on a one-month notice period, plus I had a lot of untaken paid leave. Basically, it meant I was walking out right then and there. So, off I went that very same day, to the shock and surprise of everyone, I guess. The next day, I sent an official registered letter requesting my overtime and back pay and received a negative response which I followed up with another detailed demand. 
This was also rejected because the bonus was discretionary and there's no overtime. However, I'd been seeking legal advice and I understood that they didn't have a leg to stand on if I'm willing to pay for an attorney. As the liability in such matters is firmly and 100% on the employer, I was willing. You need to understand that going to a lawyer was very rare in those parts back then, so companies didn't generally expect this outcome. Things have since changed. When going through the applicable laws with the attorney, I noticed that there's a limitation of 7 years. So while my attorney was laying out what to do in order to get me my money in as little as a few weeks, I just asked him, what if we wait until it's 6 years and 11 months after the transgression and then file demanding interest? I wanted this because the law stated that back pay is due at a 9% APR above the base rate, 3.25% at that time accrued daily for every day past the due date. We're looking at 12 to 12.5% compound daily APR. The risk is that the company folds in that time, but I decided to take that risk. I sent one final letter stating that I expect all the owed and accrued amounts to date to be paid immediately. Of course, nothing happened. For the next few years life rolled on, the company did grow and became a known player in the area. When the time came, I found an attorney and started the case. We had copies of all the communications, copies of the registered letters and responses. The back pay demanded now, including interest, was $112,000. What I didn't know was that in addition to this, there are fixed penalties for each instruction to perform uncompensated overtime. The total demand was something like $135,000. To say that the CEO, who was still CEO, lost his crap would be an understatement. I got a very verbally abusive phone call which I dutifully recorded as it wasn't completely unexpected and was added to the filing. The CEO fought or tried to but when the judge heard the phone call he took an immediate dim view. Reading through all the communication just put more nails in the defense's coffin. The judge just ruled and instructed the company to pay immediately and without delay, and also ordered the company to pay all my legal costs. They also got a full audit from the Department of Labor. The company paid up a week later. To add insult to injury, the evening of the court's decision, the CEO apparently got very drunk and crashed his car into another vehicle while drunk. He got a DUI conviction and lost his driving license for half a year and his insurance refused to pay out for the damages to his vehicle, a brand new Mercedes S-Class, as he was drunk. All in all, a glorious day. This, my friends, is why it pays to know your rights, the laws, legal stipulations. Sometimes if you're on the ball with that, you might walk away six figures richer. That said, our final story of the day is, I got my childhood bully arrested. I was bullied repeatedly by this guy when we were kids. I saw on a social media profile he was arrested because his profile picture was of him in one of those visiting cells. I also noticed his last name on the account wasn't the same as when we were kids. I wondered why, so I looked up his original name on the arrest warranty registry and there was indeed an arrest warrant out for him. It matched his birth date. I reported his social media and name change anonymously and got a thousand dollars from his arrest. My county has an anonymous online report system that gives you a confirmation number to follow up on and you submit a confirmation number to a location if it results in an arrest. To this day, 
No one knows I ratted his alias to the police. I guess you can say his debt has been paid? I guess this is as good of an advocate as anything to say don't bully anybody because who knows, you don't want to make enemies potentially for life that, I mean, have no interest in looking out for you, that's to say the least. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. Now, if you want to hear another absolutely crazy story of revenge, check out that video on the left. Or if you missed my latest video, check out that video on the right. That said, I'll see you all next time with some more stories.